Welcome in to this special Locked On crossover podcast between the Locked On Louisville and Locked On Boston College podcasts. Today's episode brought to you by Jace Medical. Um, today's episode brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I'm the host of Locked On Louisville, Dalton Pence. With me, the host of Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. AJ, how's it going today? Dalton, it's doing great. Uh, it's it's fall up here in New England. It's starting to feel it. The heat's gone, and you finally saw some life out of Boston College, so I'm excited to talk a little bit about that with you. Very true. If you're listening to this, you can't tell, but if you're watching this, obviously um, you won't see AJ's face. His camera's having some difficulties, but... Um, Definitely wanted to to get each other on a on a crossover and talk about this matchup because there's a lot of uncertainty. I feel like AJ, this is a matchup between Louisville and Boston College. Historically, that it's really hard to tell what's going to happen. You kind of throw spreads out the window. Um, Louisville was supposed to win last year, ended up losing. This year, I felt good coming into last weekend, and then Boston College absolutely shows out against Florida State, comes up a little short, but still plays really well. Um, what were kind of your thoughts on that game very quickly, and how does that affect how you look at this week? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy game. Um, it, you know, for, for the first two games, you had people talking about putting bags on their heads. You talk, you know, you talk to the fans. They're, they're getting down. You know, you lose to NIU, who loses to Southern Illinois the week later. Uh, and then you go to, almost to overtime against, uh, you should have lost against Holy Cross. And then, so, you know, expectations are really low. The, the morale is really low and you go into a game where you're 20, depending on what, which line you're reading, I think FanDuel had them at, at 28 and a half. I think my, uh, minus 20, 28 and a half for Florida state. BC goes right out there shows that they have no fear and they hold, you know, other than 18 penalties, which was insane. Uh, BC should have won that game. They, they, they should have won it and they didn't. And, but you leave that game now with a quarterback, Thomas Castellanos, who looked dynamic. He put up 400 yards against uh, the Knowles in a very good defensive line. And you're starting to feel maybe, Hey, this, even though it was a loss, maybe this is the the catalyst that turns things around. I agree there. I think for Louisville, on the other hand, personally, I mean, the first four games of the schedule were always for that Louisville fans believed should be must-win games right. because you're going to be favored in all four and your schedule gets significantly harder in the second four or the second slate of four games when you play against NC State, Notre Dame, Duke, and Pittsburgh. Um but I'll be honest with you, I never feel good about a matchup with Boston College because it feels like Louisville, it, it doesn't matter what the spread is. Like I said, the Cardinals always seem to to struggle, whether it's uh, Phil Yurkovic or now Thomas Castellanos. And what worries me most now about Boston College is a quarterback that can run the ball. Right. Louisville struggled with Haynes King week one, a guy that's not necessarily known for running the ball quarterback containment with him sort of you know putting himself out there you know right away against Florida State showing that he can not only be able to run the ball but ad lib 
on the fly, and that's really, really dangerous. Um, how does that sort of change the offensive identity of this Boston College team? Oh, it's so different. I mean, the whole quarterback situation at BC has been crazy. Um, I went into week one, post game week one, livid at the coaching staff as someone who's there. You know, I, I covered BC for 247. I've been at practices all summer. They threw Emmett Moorhead out at us all summer long. And he was at ACC Media Days. You figured he was going to be the guy, right? Um, you know, they kept talking about Halfley named him the starter the week of the NIU game. He last two series. And they pulled him like he wasn't good, but it looked like he was just jittery. So they bring in this guy Castellanos and he is, you know, he, you know, a little bit um, chaotic at first, but he's starting to get more and more comfortable. And I think that's, what's exciting. What you saw in the Florida state game is that it's starting to come to him. It's like the first couple of games, he made mistakes and he, you know, he, 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 I mean, he just got here in August. He was coming from UCF, Um, but he's getting it more and, He's not just a running quarterback. I think that's an easy thing to see when you're watching. And he does make good plays with his legs, but he's not a bad passer either. He's got he's got a pretty good arm, um, and he's accurate. And he doesn't force throws, which I thought is good for a young quarterback to like not sure. make things try try to make things happen. He's really good at just you know if it's not there, don't force it in. Try to run or just throw it away. Um, and that's been a big positive for him so far. And it's what kept him in the game against Florida State. This schedule is very interesting. Um, I remember when we did the uh, the whole locked on ACC preview. Um, you know, I remember you saying that this was kind of a a season to where something had to go the Eagles' way, right? For this coaching staff, and I know that a loss is indeed a loss on the schedule. Florida State has to give you some hope, but now, I mean, you're looking at a potentially big swing you know there's a big swing between two and two and one and three what is really at stake in your opinion is there much significance on this game early on in the season for Boston College and more specifically Jeff Hefley yeah it's it's a huge game I have to I have to say with Hefley it's this is a do or die year for him I think I said this on the ACC preview like he's got to make a bowl game he cannot go another year without a bowl, especially as I said, with the schedule. And as the year has gone on, it's, it's, it's unveiling itself to be as what you thought it would be. Like mm-hmm. Virginia tech is bad. Pitt looks bad. Virginia is bad. Yukon's bad. Like you've got these teams that you should be able to beat right. to get yourself to a bowl. And if you can't do that, then maybe this isn't the right fit for, for BC. Um, the game against Louisville is going to be is is super important. Uh, how how critical it is? I mean, yeah, one and three is bad, and you don't want to get to that point. Um, it's their first road game. It's it's BC. You know, this is the first time they're going to have Castellanos on the road, and that in itself is a little worrisome because he had issues with Cadence at home where they're fall starts all over the place. And Halfley was saying it wasn't the offensive lineman; it was it was Castellanos that was causing it. Um, right. But bringing him on the road, doing all those things, I, I, I anticipate some jitters here. I anticipate that the high-flying BC team that you saw at the end against FSU might, might not be there at first against Louisville until they start to settle in. Um, and at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to be a critical game and, and one that BC obviously really wants to win. But if they lose it, 
yeah, it's a game at a time right now with this team. Cause I could yeah. easily see them losing the Louisville, you know, the fans get back down in the dumps and then they, they rip off like four or five wins in a row. Cause it, it, it eases up a lot for BC moving forward. Sure. I agree there. And I think that the situations are fairly different for, for both teams, obviously with a new coaching staff, if Louisville still has Scott Satterfield, I think we look at this game so much differently. Um, but now you have Jeff Brom, like I said, and I'll be honest, I think that Louisville fans almost have placed too high of ex- expectations on this team. Um, you know, I went into the offseason thinking, okay, eight wins is kind of my realistic mark that I'm looking at. And I mean, I'm seeing 10 wins get thrown out and I'm like, man, year one of a mm-hmm. coaching change. And let's, let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Is there potential with the schedule to pull it off? I mean, sure. Theoretically, but I mean, if if you're going to reach that upper echelon of win totals, then Boston College truly is a must-win game because of the 50-50 games that you're going to be exposed to beginning next week. You have a Friday night game in Raleigh against NC State, followed up by Notre Dame at home. So, I mean, you see the importance of this game, but... um, Right, you see, like, each school has something big at stake here, yeah. right? Like Louisville to me as someone from the North who's, who's, you know, obviously follows the ACC. It just feels like this program is waiting to try to get to that next step to be part of the powerhouses in the ACC. And a game, a win against BC is so critical for them to get to that point. Cause you need to win those games, right? For BC, right. it's like almost just staying afloat. <laughs> like you want to win the no, game to stay afloat. And honestly, like you're playing a good team. That's a little bit, more manageable than what you just battled last week. So can you, this is now a more winnable game for BC. Can they win that? That's, I think that's a big piece right there. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. And I'll be honest with you. This is one of those teams that I feel like Louisville fans do a good job of getting a decent understanding of who they're going up against. But I feel like in talking to a lot of fans over the past couple of days and group chats, Nobody on our side knows what to expect from this Boston College team. So I I now want to turn it over and discuss a little bit with you about what fans should know uh, about the Eagles. And we'll do that here momentarily after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. It is simple, and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving, life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com while using the promo code Locked On. Hey, football fans, once again, thanks again for making Locked On Louisville and Locked On Boston College your respective first listens of the day. College football season is about a quarter of the way through. This season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, while going in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight from 
insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Heading on into the more analytical portions of the show, we're going to start out with a little Boston College preview for the Louisville fans that are wanting to get to know the foe. Uh, AJ Black, um, host of Locked On Boston College, also is a member of 24-7 Sports. AJ, first and foremost, you mentioned sort of the Jekyll and Hyde between the first two weeks and week three. Was week three in your opinion, more so progression, or do you look at it in sort of a fluke situation due to the the drastic changes between weeks two and three? I think the big difference between weeks one, two, and three, uh, the penalties were still there. All three weeks, I, th- I think Louisville fans are going to want to watch this because one of the things I was talking about with my um, – I have a – writer who comes on my show twice a week and he was saying you know when refs know you're a team that has a reputation for penalties you're gonna get you're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt so wondering how much is gonna impact the game on saturday because bc leads the country in penalty yards right now was a big big issue the first two weeks and obviously it cost bc they had florida state on third down that last game and they got called for a face mask um so that was a big issue that we've seen but the the progression i think that that came through obviously was Castellanos in his comfort level as he mm-hmm. is developing between before your eyes, you're watching him just get more and more comfortable hitting passes. He wasn't hitting first two weeks. He's, he's doing things, you know, he he's understanding the offense well more than he was before. Um, the offensive line, uh, any Louisville fan that watched any BC game last year, Noted that knew that BC. I mean, I, th- I, I, if I remember correctly, even when Louisville played them, BC's offensive line was a train wreck. It was a train wreck all year. Um, it's good. They did. They credit to Jeff Halfley. He fixed it in one year. He got two transfers. Uh, Christian Mahogany, who's all ACC, is back, and the guys that are there, um, Ozzie mm-hmm. Trapillo and Drew Kendall, are both developing, which is great. So that's good. It, the big difference I saw from the first two weeks to week three is the development of the defense. Uh, the defense couldn't stop Holy Cross. They couldn't get off the field against NIU. And against Florida State, you know, they held Florida State to 2 of 10 on third downs. Keon Coleman didn't have a have a single touch in the game. So you saw the defense really kind of step it up. And, and that was something we've been waiting for. We thought the defense was going to be like the bread and butter for this team. It really hasn't been. There's sure. no pass rush right now. They have one sack in three games. Donovan Azaraku was all ACC going into this season. He has one pressure in three games. Not good. Uh, and so on, on top of all that, you know, it, it's it's kind of made this defense not as dynamic or explosive. So to see them get a, a fumble return for a touchdown, to to get a special teams turnover against Florida State, those were all real positive signs and things that weren't happening in weeks one and two. So I think that's been the big difference. Let me take this out. My apologies. I'm sitting here looking. I was like, this is not Dalton Pence's show. Um, one thing that I found interesting, AJ, is in the two losses, granted small sample size, he ended up coming back against um, Northern Illinois. But in the yep. two losses – um, double digit deficits. 
yep. against both teams. Now, granted, the Eagles made it interesting. Is that sort of a trend that you feel like is going to be corrected? I mean, obviously it's early, so you can't really take too large of takeaways from stuff like this, but it it, it seems like, you know, even in the win against Holy Cross, they, they still trailed in that game. It, it seems like for Boston College to really reach that ceiling, it's like the offense kind of has to carry the way while the defense kind of figures things out. Right. You, you get a, I think they're hoping that this, this momentum the defense had in that game, I mean, they, the, the second half, BC outscored Florida State at one point from 19 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you talk to the defensive players, you hear them start really feeling it. And, you know, it's what they say. It's you know, what it is, right? But the hope is that maybe that, that w- that's the catalyst that gets them sparked to get more explosive and get bigger plays so that you don't fall far behind right off the bat. And, and you don't have to dig yourself out of these holes over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, Halfley's never made things easy. I'm going to say that right now. But no matter if it's 2023 or 2020, every game that Jeff Halfley has has coached, other than maybe Colgate his first year or second year, BC has had to claw and scratch, whether it's UMass, Texas State, Louisville last year. I mean, you name the games that they've even won, they've never been able to put teams away. And mm-hmm. when they fall behind, it's just – it's it, all the games kind of feel the same. Even if they end up right. winning or they end up losing, they're always clawing and scratching. There's never, um, there's never um, big wins for them. It's even Steve Adazio, who I couldn't stand as a coach, you know, when they played lesser teams, they would, they would put them away. Jeff Halfley doesn't do that. And I think that's right. a cause of concern. Um, but what, you know, the, the other end, uh, end of the coin is that he plays better teams and holds his own against those teams, whether they win or lose them, they're not getting, you know, their doors blown off most years. Sure. So I think that's kind of what the, what the hope is that maybe they kind of figure things out moving forward. I never have said that Louisville is one of the toughest places to play in the country. Um, I think that in the right circumstance, fans can make it a little hectic, but um, still a conference game on the road it's still a tall task regardless of who it is, unless the team is just absolutely um, unable to be serious on the football field. Boston college's first true road game um, of the season. Initial thoughts on, you know, playing away from the Northeast and how large of a factor that'll play, if any, for this team on Saturday. I think it's, I think two big factors that I worry about. When, when it when it comes to playing on the road, obviously Castellanos is the big one. Um, he hasn't started an away game yet. I'm not sure how he's going to react to that. Um, he's learning so much on the fly right now, and and, and trying to pick things up that um, this is this could be a culture shock for him. I mean, he came out just to get like to give your your listeners a, a more of a context. His first game against Holy Cross, he got nailed with two personal foul calls. One of them was he was running out of bounds uh, on a third down run and was pointing at the defender, like taunting him. And that ended up being a 15 yard penalty. Also the fun part of that was he wasn't even in for a first down. He was one yard shy of the first down, um, (laughs) which Jeff Halfley was livid after. I can only imagine. And then after another play, he did the, um, the old hand motion that, you know, people make with their, uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> I don't want to say because we're we're censored, but you know what I mean. Like down oh. there at the mm-hmm. opponents, and it was caught on national television. So they had to kind of rile, you know, 
kind of bring him back in because Halfley said if he kept doing it, he was going to bench him. Sure. Completely different kid next week. But with the pressure of an away team, like, you know, playing on the road, how is that going to impact him? Is he going to be able to handle that? Like it's, right. it's different when you're playing at home in front of a, of a fan base that loves you. But when you're playing yeah. on a hostile environment, are you going to have moments where you, you lose it? And I'm worried about that. And then penalties, you know, the, all sorts of pre-snap and stupid penalties that BC makes, I think on the road, it's going to get exacerbated. So if it gets exacerbated, oh my gosh, they, they set their own team record with 18 school record with 18 penalties last week. If they beat that, I have a week of shows just based on penalties. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that's that's pretty. It's it's pretty rough. Um, I, yep. I hope that that's not the case for for your sake. But want to flip the coin and give your listeners um, a little bit of a better understanding of what Louisville brings to the table in a new era of Cardinals football. We'll allow you to answer any or ask any questions you have here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose with a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use from spreads, player props, over-unders, Whatever you can think of, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Final segment of this special crossover podcast between Locked On Louisville and Locked On Boston College. I'm Dalton. He is AJ. AJ, I'll allow you the floor, man. Any questions you have about Louisville? All right. Yeah, I've got a, a bunch. So, okay. I think BC fans, you know, we got used to seeing Scott Satterfield and I know a lot of Cardinals folks weren't really high on what he was doing with the program and felt that there was a lot of missed opportunities there. And I, and based off of people I've talked to people I've heard, I heard, you know, it seems like Jeff Brom was the perfect hire for the Cardinals. And it seems like it's paying off both on the field and in the transfer portal and recruiting. Can you just talk a little bit about like what he's brought to, to Louisville and what you've noticed the first three weeks of the season? Energy. I think that that's kind of what I keep coming back to. It felt like, and this is no disrespect to, to Sat. I mean, I felt like he left the program better than in which he found it, which, you know, grateful for that. But it just seemed like the program, at least the fan base, was almost getting lethargic um, with kind of the same old um, narrative, losing the same old close games year in, year out. And it felt like, you know, there, there was a case to be made that he shouldn't be back for another year, which thankfully Cincinnati did. UofL a solid. And um, you know, made that decision for them. So Jeff Brom is the uh, the prodigal son, um, you know, a player or a guy that played here, coached here, is from here, gets the fan base involved, and brings the juice on the field. You know, he has a saying: it's a street fight in between the whistles. So uh, that's something that you know he brings that fire. Now, granted, this team hasn't been perfect through the first three weeks, but they've already been better at finishing games early on in the first three games of the Brahm era than probably ever in the Satterfield era. So that's pretty much the thing that jumps right off the page. All right. And now, uh, you know, it seems like it went from, you know, they were obviously around the quarterbacks but in my brain. It goes like Lamar Jackson, right to Malik Cunningham, Pat, Pat's fan. I loved watching him play by the way. Um, mm-hmm. this, this summer was great. Uh, now you got Jack Plummer who takes over, um, if, you know, as starting quarterback, what have you seen so far from him and what does he do well? And where do you think he needs to improve? 
Well, I think it's kind of been up and down. First game, uh, Shodi was a little rusty. Second game is against an FCS opponent, so it's hard to really determine that. Week three against Indiana looks solid first half. Second half, when pressure was brought from Tom Allen, uh, he struggled. The main thing with him that he's had some issues with is just indecisiveness, hesitation on the reads. And, you know, when a quarterback makes uh, or has hesitation on those reads, nothing good comes from it so um the receivers are consistently creating separation which is boding well for the offense uh with jabari thrash who in my opinion is a top two receiver in the in the conference right now um ultimately i mean he has had some moments to where he has looked like um a very very good quarterback better than he did last year at california but there's also times where it shows that he needs to be a little bit more comfortable with his reads and hopefully with more reps in this scheme and with this personnel situation it's going to get better but it's been a little bit of a talking point through the first three weeks and i think week four is definitely something that people are realizing is is pretty urgent in that regard so and you, you mentioned uh, Jamari Thrash, and, he, you know, there's a couple playmakers that have really stood out in the first couple of games for the Cardinals, and it's mm-hmm. Jamar Jordan, your running back, who leads the country in yards per carry with yeah. 10.47, and Thrash, who, I, I mean, every time I turn on a game, it seems like he's making a big catch. Can you talk a little bit about the weapons Brom has and, and how they've been utilizing him and what they do for this offense? Yeah, so Brom's sort of philosophy and what what we had to tell a lot of Louisville fans is that this isn't an air raid offense. This is a pro style offense that throws the ball more than Scott Satterfield's offense. So there's been a healthy mixture of three running backs and Jawar Jordan, Isaac Garendo and Maurice Turner, Jordan, obviously the feature back that uh, gets the majority of the touches and has been fantastic was fantastic last year when his number was called. So uh, the running back committee's kind of been, um, a great surprise for the fan base and how stable it is, you know, the top five rushing attack in the country right now. And through the first three games, no one has been able to check Jamari thrash one-on-one. Um, if Plummer makes a couple more throws, then, I mean, he could be potentially leading the country and receiving yards. It's, it's that incredible of separation, but I, I will say that, um, you know, there's some other weapons on this team, Kevin Coleman, Jr. Amari Huggins, Bruce, um, Jimmy Callaway, some other receivers to focus on the main thing I'll tell you and and tell the Boston college fans listening, this is a totally different wide receiver core than um, what you would have seen last year. A lot of transfers in, you know, Kevin Coleman transfer of Jamari transfer, Jimmy Callaway transfer, Jaden Thompson transfer. So, um, you know, credit Brom and company, it's going to be a very balanced offense, but expect a lot of workload to Jamari Thrash and what was going to do their very best to establish the run right away. All right. And on the defensive side, the name that always pops out to me is Ashton, Ashton Gillette. Is that guy right? Gelati. Gelati. Wow. Way off. <laughs> Gelati. You're a Patriots fan. So it kind of, it evens yeah. out. I, I, yeah. I, see the, I see the inspiration. Yep. But what makes him so, I mean, I looked at his numbers. I'm like, man, he's in on a ton of quarterback pressures. What makes him yeah. so dangerous? And uh, what are some other names on defense that should we, we should be watching out for? Yeah, Ashton came in as a freshman, um, came in a, a semester early and mm-hmm. added like 45 pounds in one semester and went from being a redshirt candidate to, oh, crap, this guy's going to play. He's going to play a lot. And thankfully, he was able to learn from Yasir Abdullah and Yaya Diaby, who were premier pass rushers for the past couple seasons. But now he is the guy. And although – um, you know, some of those pressures haven't been turning into sacks this season. He's still getting after the quarterback, and I expect, you know, 
some of those sacks to start coming to fruition soon. He's been fantastic, just extremely quick off the edge. You know, the, the strength finally equates with the burst that he has. So there's that. Um, some other guys, this is a very secondary-led team. Um, Quincy Riley, Storm Duck, the transfer from UNC, and Jarvis Brownlee um, will lead this team. There's also some solid defensive backs in the in the safeties room. I wouldn't necessarily say there's one guy that stands out outside of Gelati. This is probably as balanced as this defense has been probably, um, probably in about a decade. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you look at the statistics, and I, I know you have the FCS game in there, but sure. it, they look like a well-balanced team. And finally, you asked me about it. What, is, what does Louisville have to do to win this game? Yeah, I mean, I think that for Louisville, it, the name of the game is consistency. Um, if, you know, I think the last game was the telltale sign. First half looked like this team was going to win by 50. Second half, thankfully, this team was up by 21 because they would have lost if they weren't. Um, it, it's playing four quarters of quality football. Georgia Tech, three good quarters, but the bad thing is the one quarter, they allowed 28 points. Um, Murray stated is what it is, but it's the it's the consistency aspect. If Jack Plummer, number one, Jack Plummer has to be the Jack Plummer that we need him to be, and if he's able to do that and move the ball down the field and Louisville's able to put up points like we know they can do, I think that they're in a solid situation. Um, and just being consistent, um, limiting the big plays, I think one thing that Louisville's been very prone to doing, not only this season but in years past, it's almost like an M.O. for this program is allowing quarterbacks to flee the pocket and run. And that's something that Louisville really has to keep in check this week. So limiting the big plays and being consistent. So, And my last question has nothing to do with football, but it's an away game. And there's BC fans, I think, that are going to be going down there that listen to this okay. podcast. Yeah. If for fans traveling, what's a great brewery or food spot they need to hit up in Louisville? Oh, man, putting me on the spot. Um, th- there's honestly a, a lot of a lot of great places to go check out. Um, I won't recommend specific spots. I'm going to recommend specific areas. Um, definitely check out Bardstown Road in the Highlands. It's a very unique feel. Went up to Boston um, a couple of years ago, and the Highlands gave or gives me a very Boston-like feel. Uh, like downtown historic Boston type feel. So be sure to check out the Highlands. Um, anywhere around the stadium, Louisville's done a great job of increasing fan experience. So be sure to uh, stick around, um, you know, the Louisville campus and definitely the Highlands. All right. That's my last question for you, Dalton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said, for all the coverage on the Boston College Eagles, on the Louisville Cardinals, be sure to tune in to the Locked On Boston College podcast, the Locked On Louisville podcast. I'm Dalton Pence. He is AJ Black. Be sure to tune in. These two podcasts cover your team five days a week, your team every day.